we going? Up to my shack. What the hell for? Because when I left yesterday, I turned the lights off. I'm tired of talking, Fudges. I just want to get up to my shack and get drunk. This is pure nonsense. Doesn't prove a thing. I thought you'd feel that way, Gary. You were the only one who could have gotten to the blood. We'll do you last. I know you gentlemen have been through a lot, but when you find the time, I'd rather not spend the rest of the winter tied to this fucking couch. I don't know what the hell's in there, but it's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. Alright everybody, grab the flamethrower and save the huskies as we take a are-you-really-who-you-say-you-are sip of film on the rocks. Hey everyone, welcome to Film on the Rocks. My name is Levi. I'm joined by a very special guest. His name is Brooker. How are you, Brooker? Hello, guest. I'm a host, man. (laughs) (laughs) And a familiar face that you all uh, know and love. I'm joined by my beautiful wife, Rachel. She has come to join us to talk about The Thing, 1982, directed by John Carpenter. How are you, Rachel? I am amazing. This is my time to shine um, as the spook master, master of spook. I love this movie, and I'm so excited that I got to show two people that I really care about this movie, and they got to experience all of the wonders that are the thing. Yep, Spookmaster General. That's, a, that's her official title, the Spookmaster General. So if she were a pepper, she would be a ghost pepper? So. <laughs> yes. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Like I said, uh, we're looking at The Thing from 1982, directed by John Carpenter. Uh, this is our first official Suggestions Month episode, the month of April. Special shout out to Grace, who suggested it. She is a big fan of this movie. She thinks it's fantastic. It's a great example of cabin fever slash a paranoia type movie. She considers it the quintessential monster movie. It starts with Kurt, Kurt, uh, Kurt Russell, which she is a huge fan of. And we're going to be looking at some... Some different drinking rules that she suggested and a couple of different things that she said. But if you want to check her out, check out our Instagram account. We'll link it in our description. Uh, it's the King of Camera Books, uh, or book. I hope I said that right. The King of K-A-M-A-A-H-R Book. Check her out. Grace, thanks so much for suggesting this. You are the best. Thanks for <laughs> being one of our most loyal listeners. Before we jump into talking about the the logistics of it just want to give you guys a brief overview like i said directed by john carpenter he's got his uh we know him very well for his connection with the halloween franchise this movie was a rather expensive movie for the time uh the budget was around 10 to 15 million dollars and when it came out it was not really that popular domestic went about 19.6 to 20 million dollars it was not super popular most people attribute that to the fact that it came out two oh. weeks after E.T., which did great. So a lot of people kind of had a problem with it. Critics did not love it, uh, thought it was a little bit not funny and not funny enough and also not scary enough, and they wanted a, uh, a happy ending, and they didn't really get that. We'll touch on that here in a little bit. And it is not the first... Uh, movie made about the thing the source material has been used in the past but john carpenter wants to make it very clear that this is not a remake this is a original film just based on the same source material i'm gonna start with i'm gonna start with you brucker because i want to <laughs> save the best for last in asking rachel 
What is your personal relationship with this movie? Do you have a past with this? Oh man, I've known this movie since this morning. Uh, so <laughs> the, I watched it for the first time this morning and it was awesome. It was such a fun ride and I love the ending of it. Uh, this was a great suggestion uh, from, from Grace. Um, it, it was a lot of fun. I liked it a lot and I'm kind of surprised that this wasn't as big a bigger hit in the time it came out. I guess it's kind of hard to compete with E.T., which is also yeah. an alien movie. But this was mm-hmm. th- this was still really good, a lot of fun, and I feel like if people didn't think it was scary enough, they're they're kind of missing the whole point that this movie is about paranoia, and you know what <laughs> what what's more, uh-huh. you know what can make you more paranoid besides you know being able to trust people you're stuck with in isolation. So this mm-hmm. this was a lot of fun. I like this movie a lot. Yeah, that's that's what Grace was saying. She the cabin fever slash paranoia. Which my goodness, if you're in quarantine or experiencing this virus right now, like, good gracious, you understand what cabin fever is. What about you, Rachel? You you clearly have a very I'm very excited <laughs> to hear a very, this. <laughs> a very strong and deep connection with this movie. You've been begging me to watch it for years, and I've been too scared to, and now I did it. Uh, what is your past experience with the thing? So I went through this period in high school. My parents are both very into scary things. And so they, like, we went through this period where they wanted to um, essentially go through all of the old horror movies that they actually liked. And so we watched The Thing, The Fly, which I am going to make him watch. Uh, Like, the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Amazing. Wes Craven, yes. (laughs) It's so good. And um, and I think either, it was either called The Blob or The Fog. or They all had the same sort of name. But even that was really good. Both. (laughs) Probably both. Um, And then, like, old classic Stephen King movies. But I just, I loved The Thing. I forever and ever like remembered very little of the actual plot of it like when we were watching it again i'd be like hoo, hoo. and he's like don't you know who dies and i was like you know you don't understand i remember very little of the plot all i remember is how this movie made me feel which was so sweaty <laughs> so nervous and anxious and oh, who is it where is it what's happening uh, the whole time and i loved that i loved how well they did it in a time when they couldn't just rely on bad jump scares and cgi that they mm, just created right. actual mm-hmm. fear and paranoia as you're watching this movie yeah that, i i agree with that the jump scares is what really kind of gets me i'm i'm kind of b- living in the age where jump scares are very prevalent and that's the stuff that just terrifies me. I love a good movie. We've talked about this before where you can see everything that's happening and it's so scary. Grace makes a point to mention this where she how all of the effects are so practical oh, and yeah. they honestly really stand up today still. Like mm-hmm. they 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 kind of hold their own. Usually if something's made in the 80s, you're kind of, ah well, I don't know if it it holds up. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. I, this was my first this was my first time watching this movie. And I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, we, we can, I, I can dive into the specifics a little bit later, but I w- do want to touch on the score. I mm. thought the score, oh given the confined space and the, the flow of the movie, was just so good. Um, the, the composer's name, Aneo uh, Morricone, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He won uh, Best Original Score for Hateful Eight. Uh, and oh. he has been nominated for a bunch of other different Oscars, so he's he's kind of a he's kind of a big deal. It's so interesting just how much like how much perspective we have on this movie because, like you said, right? this was kind of like 
borderline a flop when it first came out in theaters, but now it's like a very mm-hmm. beloved classic. And you're raving about the score, and I'm seeing that uh, the score was actually nominated for worst score at its <gasps> time. But no, now the score is so good. I know it, it is, it, but and now it's considered a classic. But it's so funny oh, that yeah. it really just shows that people just can't appreciate what they have during its during their time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's oh, oh yeah, oh my gosh, that's so true. Like you said, and it's it's sad because they did put a ton of money into this, into the effects of it. As I get, my my sources say different things, but they all fall in the ten to fifteen million dollar range for budget which the average budget at the time was around 70,000 oh for a gosh. movie and just to kind mm. of put it into perspective John Carpenter's Halloween was only around $375,000 to to make it's yeah. a very very cheap film mm-hmm. so and this one was kind of was a flop so he I'm, I'm glad it's getting its 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 due in the present day at least it on Rotten Tomatoes it's got a 84% with a 92% audience score, which uh, when I saw it, I think I said I think I said 83. After mm-hmm. the movie was done, I was like, I think this deserves around an 83, and it 84. I think 92 audience score is fine as well. I looked up the ET just to kind of get a comparison <laughs> to see how different it, uh, the uh, Rotten Tomatoes score is a 98. Um, I feel like that you just kind of expect that, but the audience score is only a 72. Oh, interesting. So the audience, the common folk. The bourgeoisie prefer the thing over uh, E.T., according to everyone that goes on Rotten Tomatoes. We've gotten into darker it, endings. Right? right? Oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Again, I, I want to save the ending. I want to save the ending for later because that's like, <laughs> the it's, the, I know, I'm, I wish, <laughs> we're both geeking I wish out. Y'all, I wish it. the listeners could be in here. It's, I'm like emotionally holding my wife back right now. I understand, like, we're, we'll get there. We'll get there. That's like the part that we're going to spend a lot of time on. While you were raving about the, you're raving about the special effects and the makeup artists and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the if you want to feel like crap, so the special effects were created by this man named Rob uh, Button or mm-hmm. Button, uh-huh. however you say it, and he was only 22 when he started this project. Mm-hmm. And he actually had to be, I think I read somewhere that he actually had to be hospitalized a couple of times because he was just working like around the clock for this oh movie. My gosh. So well, because yeah, because those things must have taken hours and they didn't even like i know um from my research that they like when they would burn them they would literally destroy them and so if they didn't get the in the scene like if they didn't get it then it was done they had to make another version of the monster like they had to do it all over again because they were literally setting these props on fire and he still had a connection too with like other franchises too, like Alien and and and, and I think Predator. He might have had a connection with as well. I believe it. Like the special effects artist had a has a pretty long IMDb page. <laughs> <laughs> Alien is the OG. Oh yeah, that's you something I was thinking Alien. about. Was like how you said that they actually burnt and destroyed the actual props in this. That's something I was thinking about when whenever they were doing like the autopsies when they were actually like cutting things up i was thinking man mm-hmm. if you just i was wondering it's like man what if they just like butchered a line right there or something like did they just like all right just sew it back up let's go like, <laughs> or, we gotta do this again we gotta move this weird corpse thing just a little bit so no one just will flip him on his back nobody knows yeah <laughs> man, it was so good it was so good let's just dive right into drinking rules i feel like there's a lot of good ones for this one um i'm gonna go ladies first with this one rachel is gonna start this absolutely. one absolutely what drinking rules did you find for this one okay i think the most important drinking rules are going to be a twofer which is 
drink every time you have a guess as to who has been infected slash imitated, mm-hmm. um, and then drink every time you're wrong. Yep. Oh, okay. Probably I like just that. be immediately afterward. Mm. <laughs> um, and a personal favorite, which maybe would apply to other people, but would definitely apply to me, is I have drink every time you can hear your heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> My last two are drink every time someone uses a flamethrower. And nice. then, of course, I feel like this is any horror movie, you need this, but you have to drink for your fallen homies, and so you drink every time someone dies. That's a good one. That is That's a good, good one. one. I had uh, I, I had a little bit of overlap. Um, I, I had, whenever someone uses a flamethrower, take a drink, which is a lie. Um, <laughs> uh, also, take a drink whenever your mind changes on who... Like the thing is like who's been who's been infected. Uh, those are my t- those are my only two overlaps. I had drink whenever Kurt Russell drinks. So anytime he That's picks up his bottle, takes a sip, you also have to take a drink. Drink whenever you realize uh, Doctor Blair is played by Wilfer Brimley. <laughs> <laughs> Which, for the record, I was sitting there being like, he sounds so familiar. And then I just hear, heard in the background of my mind someone going, diabetes. And I went, oh my gosh, it's Wilford Brimley. <laughs> so drink, take a big old slug whenever you realize that Dr. Blair is actually Wilford Brimley. And my last one was whenever someone mentions the Norwegian or the Norwegians or in some capacity, uh, take a drink, which is a ton in the first half of the film. Um, but it kind of slows down near the end, which is probably good for our livers, but uh, (laughs) a lot at the very, very beginning. Those are my five. What about you, Okay, That's good. All right, so since there's so much overlap, I'm kind of going to talk about my thought process through this a little bit, just because I was... So obviously we all had fire or burning, like some sort of thing about that. So at the beginning of this movie, I was like, oh, man, they're like, like the first, like, I don't know, 10 minutes. I was like, all right, they've like torched a couple things. I'm just going, I wonder if that's going to be a theme in this movie. And it's like every other minute, <laughs> like they're lighting something on fire. I was like, I need to, I need to rework this rule. So I just had it to where whenever a body specifically mm, is burned. That's good. So that's good. there's, yeah. So there's lots of like, okay, we're, you know, we're burning down the helicopter or we're blowing something up. So I said specifically a body being burned. Um, I had my second drinking rule was, Whenever Mac has his cowboy hat on or around his <laughs> yep. neck, yep, which like what is going on? But That's a good one. <laughs> uh, so I had that. Uh, so whenever Mac's uh, cowboy hat makes an appearance, I also had whenever you find whenever the people find torn clothing, mm-hmm. uh, take yeah. a drink because lots of torn clothing, lots of hulks going around Antarctica. So, <laughs> <laughs> um. And then, of course, I had the same thing as you, Levi, whenever they mentioned the Norwegians or and also whenever somebody uh, takes a swig of mm. what I guess is scotch that they're drinking. Um, yeah. And while we're talking about drinking rules, I'll go ahead and mention Grace's drinking rule that she gave us, um, which we all think alike. She said, drink any time the thing is shown or any mm. or anytime somebody is accused of being the thing. Mm. Those are good. So... All of these you could do. And honestly, you might just want to pick one or two because right. all of these things happen Done. a lot. <laughs> right. On that same vein yes. uh, that Grace was talking about, about anytime someone gets accused of being the thing, do you guys have a particular person th- 
throughout the film that you kept going back to or that you kept saying, oh, that person has to be the thing. There's no way. Well, it has to be the thing or someone that you were so sure wasn't. Was there a, a consistent thing with that? I'll start with you, Brooker. Uh, shoot. I'm, like, really bad with names. Rachel, let me know if you've... It, it's the guy who, like, he had, like, the really bushy hair, like, the afro kind of mm-hmm. beard. He was he was responsible for, like, trying to reach out to other camps. Windows? He was, like, third. Windows. Windows. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. So, yes. Windows. I thought it was Windows for a while. Uh-huh. Just because, I don't know, he was kind of... Uh, spastic Mm -hmm. i guess is like a word for it yeah and i thought that he had a reason to be suspicious or something like why he was so paranoid so i i was definitely buying into if i were to put money on it uh this morning when i was first watching it i was putting it all on windows yeah Mm. oh yeah oh i thought the whole time even having seen this the second time i thought it was dog guy like the one who takes care of the huskies clark clark yes oh i was like oh no chance he has been around patient zero all day and he didn't right. put patient zero in the kennel until way way later i was like oh it's 100 percent dog guy i know they're setting it up to be dog guy but it is still clark the husky trainer oh that's a good point yeah i kept i kept going back and forth my brain automatically whenever i watch these movies is like i'm going to assume the person who is the least likely to be the thing is probably the thing because that's what they're trying to get me to believe and so i automatically assumed that it was mcready like it was kurt russell like i i was like oh it's gonna it's gonna be him it's gonna be him i bet it is he's the big like this is before he was a huge star but even then i was just like i'm it's gonna be him because no one is expecting him but as the the as it progressed i started to think that it was uh uh, Childs, the guy that uh, mm-hmm. that mm. Kurt Russell went out with, and then Childs come back and he's like, "I saw his ripped clothes in the ground. It was him, and I left him for dead." I said, "That's a little suspicious. <laughs> I bet it's him." I never, I not once did I assume, which I probably using the same logic that it's someone that you that it seems like the least likely, the guy who was so weird and quirky with the curly hair that kept smoking and like was all weird and and had this yeah palmer 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 was so weird i was like it's not him (laughs) and and it was that was kind of the obvious call like the really the one who was just acting strange the whole movie ended up being the person the thing um Dun, dun. dun 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 roll credits um palmer was my second choice mm-hmm. to be clear oh, he okay. was my you second choice really was, what what made you pink yeah pink i was palmer? thinking just because he was kind of quieter throughout this whole movie i was like okay well, at least i thought he was i was like okay there, there's probably a reason why they're not like giving him so much attention just that way like the audience forgets about him yeah mm-hmm. and then and then i automatically went to okay if it's not him then it's probably one of the one of the doctors because they've been actually like doing the up top autopsies and stuff so there's a chance that they've probably been contaminated yeah just studying all this mm-hmm. do you guys think that um i at the very beginning dr blair played by wolf brimley was destroying everything he had, he saw the the statistics that mm-hmm. the thing would have taken over the world in a very short amount of time if he was able to get out which, first of all, what kind of program do you have in this outpost that's able to predict this? That's that's some high tech. That's some high tech statistics, even for today's standards. But I, uh, he, 
clearly was drinking, or at least it's kind of implied that he was drinking, and then goes off and starts destroying everything. But then it turns out that he was, ended up being the thing. At some point. At some point. Do you think that he was, at what point do you think he became the thing? Because at some point the door was swung wide open and they were like, oh my gosh, did he make it out or whatever? At what point do you think Um. he was the thing? I um, do not think he was infected slash imitated until after he was put into the shack um, for a couple of different reasons. One, he when he's in the shack, there's a scene. Oh, so much that I love about this movie has to do with subtlety. <laughs> and this is, I'm going to geek about two things. One, there's a very dark, I guess, long shot where you can see that he has um, constructed a noose in the shack. And I think if he was infected, he wouldn't have. I think that was a human person doing that in hopes that he would be able um, to die before he was infected. Oh my gosh, I just had a thought. Okay, so he's creating creating the noose, and uh, Kurt Russell comes up and looks in the door, and he's just sitting by this noose that is very visibly there, and he's like, come on, man, I want to go back inside. What if the thing had infected him, and he was trying to kill himself, before the thing took over and at that point the noose was irrelevant and he was asking to come back inside so he could infect everybody else Mm, yeah i think that's fair i think that's very plausible Mm -hmm. and i think that's might be what was going on actually i think that's yeah yeah i think that's very plausible that's my theory because he sits so calm and creepy oh my gosh i love that scene and i love i think um one of the huge reasons beyond all the like itty bitty things is especially for horror in general i love that this movie isn't like people making dumb choices like oh you went into the chainsaw room full of chainsaws Mm. and who would have thought that that would have consequences like the worst thing that they do to start all this off is keep a dog and like guilty i would also immediately be in this situation right like (laughs) and so him at the very beginning of that movie, finding those statistics, and you just sort of have that tone set in the movie of like, okay, this is the situation. You are now trapped in isolation with all of your friends, and you can either kill them because there's a 75% chance that one of them is infected and it will destroy the whole world, or you can take your chance. And it's just, oh, that just sets the best subtle tone instead of just, I think, a lot of monster movies or horror movies are like, oh, it's a scary, mm-hmm. instead of being like... Because even the whole movie and afterwards, I was like, what would I do? Like, what would I do if I was in that same situation of being like, oh, you have a 75% chance that you could be the reason the world ends? Right. Yeah, no, that was that was something that was really good about this and about, like, you know, how you're talking about the this whole... Like, this, this didn't start with, like, obvious bad decisions. Mm-hmm. It just started with... Like this, this movie just moves. Like you know, the, we start off with this dog being chased, and something that I didn't even realize until like over, like towards the end of the movie, I was like, I don't even know what research they're doing. This yeah. whole time, like it's been all just plot and story, and just driving the narrative of what's going on. There's been no, there's been no fluff really, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Like this was just like, hey, this is this is the situation. I love that we didn't start off with them on some sort of like lab in the States or something. And then talking about the prep and everything, it just started with like, there's this group of people already in isolation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was, it, that's a good point. I didn't think about that, how this didn't fall that 
normal horror trope that is just teenagers making bad decisions. It was just, yeah, that's a really good do point. Do we know what they were doing in that outpost? Because there was also Norwegians within like a, an hour or however much time it takes to fly out to the Norwegian camp. So there's multiple nations in that area. Any, any idea what they might have been doing? They're looking for UFOs. I have no idea what they were doing. Yeah, they're just doing some science, which I think that is one of the um, early criticisms of this movie is that it had very poor character development. But honestly, and this is someone who loves story, who cares? Like, I think (laughs) there is a time that I care about the backstory of Uh people, and then there's this movie. Uh Like, it didn't need, exactly like you said, it didn't need, oh, here's their families back in the States. (laughs) Oh, McCready went to college. Like, who cares? There's a monster. They're trapped in isolation, and you get bits of their personality through all of it. Yes. Like, I don't need, I don't need the backstory. Yes, and it's all subtle too, but like the things you get about their characters. Like with Mac, I love how, you know, we get, he's kind of like this gruff, rough and tough guy. He's a beautiful, thick beard. And, <laughs> beautiful. Um, and I love, he has a cowboy hat, so we know he's a good old American boy. And the only thing that was missing was was like a like a dip ring in his back pocket. Yeah, right. But, um, and I also just love how we're introduced to him. Uh, him playing chess against the computer and he loses and he just dumps his <laughs> his scotch into the computer. He goes cheating, bitch. <laughs> yeah. You're like, this is it. That's everything. It's I great. Need That's to all know. I needed to know yeah. about that character. Yeah, I feel like I feel like whenever you're watching movies like that, because the whole point of or I shouldn't say the whole point, but a big point of this kind of movie is to put yourself in the situation. That's why you get so tense. Is because, like Rachel was saying, mm-hmm. what would I do if I was in that situation? Oh my gosh, this is so tense because it's not like you can physically see someone. It's all, everybody's there and you have no idea what's going to pop out or what's going to happen. And a lot of times, you know, like your 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 Star Warses and your Harry Potters and whatever, you have this mm-hmm. like faceless hero that you kind of put your place in. Like, what if I was Luke Skywalker? What if I was Harry Potter? And they have a really big backstory, but their character themselves is pretty vanilla plain nothing super depth about them specifically but the world around them and their backstory has a lot of depth in this one we don't get an introduction to their characters but their characters themselves have the personality that we can you know and there's so much variety in between that we can relate to at least somebody in that situation the person who's drinking and playing online chess the person who's the doctor who's like i'm trying to figure everything out the person running around on roller skates being like i don't give a shit (laughs) like you know like who which who would you be in those situations for like this outpost or whatever and it it kind of gives a spot for everybody to sit in like would you be the one everyone's accusing would you be like oh yeah test my blood i don't care Mm. or would you be uh, would you oppose the whole idea of it and think it's ridiculous even if you weren't the thing i don't know I, I i'm kind of disappointed with those 1980s critics because this movie was really good it is really good and the, what you're talking about how you know how they're trying to figure out everything that's going on i was definitely putting myself in their shoes especially as like doc and like Kurt Russell when he was like tying everyone up because you know just as a scientist I was going like okay what like seriously what tests would would I do to you know test to see if they've been infected or not and that's like something I was trying to like toy around the whole time until we actually got to the to that scene which was really Mm -hmm. good Uh, but yeah definitely threw you right into their Mm -hmm. shoes did you guess blood before it happened or were you surprised when they had that 
I was I, I was I was trying to think of like maybe some sort of like aversion to fire or something or s- some other test because I didn't know because honestly like just like them I don't know what these things are capable of mm. especially once they do a full mimicking or yeah full mimicking because I didn't know if they could actually speak like like human like with like human vocal cords like would they mm-hmm. sound human so I was thinking you know you just gotta get them to talk. But because I didn't know at this point if they could do that or not. So, yeah, I was the blood test thing. I was like, oh, interesting. OK, let's do this. Let's let's torture yeah. some blood. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's a good point. It makes me um, something that you said made me think. So John Carpenter, a couple years before this, made Halloween. And in such a departure from that, I guess, setup is this movie, I think, with the exception of one tiny scene at the very end. This movie never followed the things. It stayed with the people. And so you as an audience member were never like, oh, don't go. They're behind the corner, blah, blah, blah. Like you Mm. were left just as much in the dark Mm. with the exception of at the very, when they're in the, where they're trying to like set up the explosions and one of them gets taken. And so you're Mm -hmm. like, okay, this one, he's obviously, if he comes back, he's obviously, and I don't even think he did. I think the monster just came back. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and I love that we, never got like a pov of the monster just like crawling mm-hmm. on the floor or something or like spying someone i think the most we got was just like the camera focused a lot on the dog at the beginning and that was about like the most we got of like actually following mm-hmm. the yeah. thing yeah we've kind of already started to dive into a lot of scenes that we really liked um you guys were talking about the 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 blood testing scene um that was probably my favorite scene just because it was so tense Agreed. And that was the moment where mm-hmm. I audibly was like, "Oh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be Childs. It's gonna be, oh, it's gonna be this guy. Uh, just wait, mm-hmm. wait, wait for it. Oh, there it goes. And then you know, oh, it's not gonna be this guy. He's innocent. Um, that that was one of my favorite scenes, just because it kind of it felt to me like the peak of the movie. Like this is the payoff. It gets real tense, and we have a lot of really back to back intense scenes after that. Um, did you guys have any other than, I mean, if you want to talk more on the blood scene, we, uh, blood testing scene, we can, are there any other scenes other than the ending? Cause I will, we'll touch on that shortly. <laughs> we'll we're going to, we're going to save the ending for last. Are there any other scenes that y'all really, really enjoyed? Yes. But while we're talking about the blood test scene, I just want to say one of the best jump scares that's I've been a I've witnessed was in that was when he actually, you know, tested the blood that was positive and it jumped out because it was such a good setup. So he's talking to Gary saying that he was going to save his test for last. And then he tests his Palmer's and his is positive. And it's such a good setup because you're thinking that like nothing's going to happen right now. Because it's just giving you a bunch of red herrings uh, that is Gary. But then when it does it, the blood jumps up or whatever. And both Kat and I went, <gasps> like, yeah. it was it was so good. It and so it had good. the double whammy because you were emotionally overwhelmed because they had just done um, like the blood of dead the two dead guys, including the one that Kurt Russell killed. Mm. And so you have that moment where even literally someone says to him is like, so he wasn't infected. And Kurt Russell just like looks back at him. And so you're like, oh, dealing with the emotional consequence. You're thinking about that. You're like how dog guy was not ever infected. And then you're thinking it's going to be Palmer or you're thinking it's going to be Gary. And then it turns out like Palmer, oh, completely blindsided. Even seeing it a second time, I was completely blindsided. It's so good. Great scene. One another scene that I really liked that I'm surprised we haven't touched on yet is what um, 
the internet has called the chest chomp scene, mm. which to me was probably the biggest jump scare. The blood was pretty good, but whenever they're trying to to save the guy, he's having like a heart attack, and they're doing the uh, the paddles, and he goes down to to give him a shock, and his chest opens up and bites his arms off, which, I, like I said, biggest jump mm. scare. Fun fact about it, the the guy that played that role, doing the uh, uh, the 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 or the the paddles, yeah, the, mm-hmm. the paddles CPR. was a double amputee, and they actually used the guy who was a double amputee oh. put like uh, uh, Jello, like yeah, it was arms. Jello arms, and they had like red Jello to be the blood, and it just like spl- it was very very practical. So they actually got a double amputee. Is a guy they said he lost his arms in like some sort of industrial accident. Um, so they brought him in to do that, which I thought was a really fun fact. Doesn't take away from the truth that it scared the daylights out of me. Right? It got mm-hmm. me too, man. <laughs> it got me too. It was really gross, not going to lie. I was like, oh, we're in. We're just in this cavity. All right, cool. Oh, the cavity the ca- has a mouth. The cavity Fantastic. is fighting back. Yeah, I – have you seen Alien, Brooker? I've – when I was a kid, it's been a really gosh. long time. Because I couldn't remember if I had combined the memories in my mind or if there was a similar scene in Alien. Um, but, but I knew, like, when he got near that guy, I was like, please don't do it, please don't do it. Because oh, I couldn't remember if it had happened in that. But, oh, those <laughs> practical effects, you just can't beat them. It's great. It holds It holds up. It holds up really well. It's definitely, like – it's definitely scarier looking at that than looking at, like, outdated cgi oh 100 sure. agree and they also had a good i feel like use especially in the beginning of shadow and just like where the camera would be focused and so it took a while before you ever had any shots that were directly on the thing and so it wasn't just like here's a bunch of clay and blah 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 like you it was very well angled it's mm-hmm. it's funny you mention alien because i i thought this was so interesting i'm so used to seeing a more this was a relatively diverse cast, I guess. You had more than just white people, but it was an all-male cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I don't know if you know this. There actually was a female cast member. Like, there was a female crew actress. Really? Um, really? And she, I think it was just like... Was she in the background? No, she was supposed to be a normal... <laughs> She was supposed to be a normal character, and the actress had to leave mid-production, I think for normal reasons, like she had a different contract or something. Interesting. Um, and I personally think that that, and he, she was replaced. I don't know who she's replaced by, um, but she was replaced Kurt by Russell. the cast. Kurt kidding. Russell. <laughs> it, was, it was Kurt Russell. Dang, how crazy so, would that be if it was a female lead, and they were like, we lost her. Who, who can we get? Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell. Um, <laughs> but I honestly think that that helps the movie hold up. Um, really it it was just like john carpenter i think is an amazing dude and i we saw the original halloween i think last halloween um and i think it's a good movie like i think it Mm -hmm. especially for its time it was doing a lot but that movie is so classic scream queen like jamie lee curtis for all of how strong that character is supposed to be spins a lot of it just like flailing yeah and and crying Mm -hmm. and screaming um, and I think it was just honestly hard during that time when you had such male-heavy production teams and casts and directors and writers to write really strong female characters. Because mm. um, really the only one that does it is Alien with mm-hmm. Sigourney Weaver. Mm. Oh, Sigourney oh, preach. Weaver. Freaking preach. Um, and they had to think, the people making Alien had to think every step of the way, how can we subvert stereotypes and how can we make this scene more uncomfortable for men than women? Um, which is what they did. Like, that was an intentional thought they had. And so I think 
if it had had, um, if they'd had that female crew member, I think it would hold up, not hold up as well, because I think inevitably they probably would have made her very, like, screamy and flaily and weepy and probably wearing, mm. like, not enough clothes for the Arctic region. Right. Um, and so watching it, you'd be like, wow, this is super scary, but I'm kind of distracted by the girl in a tank top for some reason. Right. <laughs> um, and so oh, I yeah, love they... the, the bro cast. That's something I was thinking about, too. I was like, wow, I don't know if I've seen another movie where it's literally just 100% XY chromosomes. I I was kind of, like, out, at the end, I was like, I wonder where, like, wonder why but also at the same time because it's like hey i guess it's just just a crew of dudes down there and also this was filmed in alaska Juneau, alaska so dang was it i really? don't know yes so i don't know how many days that they were actually like uh uh out in the field shooting this and the rest of it was sets i don't know what the what the ratio on that is but i i guess it just logistically just must have been like harder for them because like you said the crew is probably all male too so probably just would have been kind of hard to just, I don't know, do that, especially in the 80s. I don't know. Just yeah. try to, like you said, just develop this really strong female role in this. That would probably have been different. I don't know. Yeah, the logist, there was some logist. I mean, it being in such a cold, tundra-esque area, uh, the, the Norwegian camp and the American camp were actually the same set. Oh, no way. They just, you know, for budget reasons and for practicality, they just filmed you know because we're they're only on the norwegian site for a matter of minutes and then you go back to the american camp for the rest of the time so they mm. just use it the same place twice so yeah i get it might be kind of a, a level of uh practicality on that part mm-hmm. and it was a yeah. dangerous movie i know yeah. kurt russell literally kept almost blowing himself up oh wow because they were using I, I believe real it. effects <laughs> like that like um, I know whatever scene where his head, amazing, his head separates, grows legs, wanders off. Um, they oh, that's a good scene. Oh, such a good scene. <laughs> the spider head. Oh yes. my gosh, that's so oh. good. I can't believe that was made in the 80s. Oh, so creepy. Um, but in the scene, they shoot it, you know, the one way that we see it, where everyone's like, flamethrower, flamethrower, flamethrower. And then it cuts and the head is crawling away and there's like more flamethrower action. So they, when they were shooting that scene, they were like, oh crap, the head's crawling away. And for continuity, we have to do more flamethrower stuff. But they hadn't realized the room was literally full of gas at that point. And so they did it again and like the room exploded and Kurt Russell like literally almost blew up. So that would probably be um, difficult to get a lot of women in the 80s to be very interested in being on sets full of actual gasoline gasoline yeah. catching on fire <laughs> the explosions dang that's wow. insane any other scenes before we uh jump into <laughs> an, an, the other segment oh yeah definitely i have uh w- while we're on that scene that rachel's just talking about where the the the, the head kind of like lops off and becomes like the spider head that crawls away. Yeah. In my mind, I was just thinking about like the storyboard group going over that. They're like, <laughs> "Hey guys, we just got we'll be told that we have to like come up with a toy out of this. Like we need to invent oh, some sort yeah. of toy out of this." Yeah. Like, "Oh yeah, we'll we'll get a like, remote control spider thing. Just, <laughs> just make that head a spider head." They're like, "Okay, yeah, we got it. <laughs> Coming this Christmas, spider head." Spider head. <laughs> What every child wants. Right. It is so It is so funny to think um, that one of the reasons this movie tanks is because it comes out so close to E.T. Or at least John Carpenter thinks it tanks because it comes out close to E.T. But um, in the same year, Blade Runner also comes out and tanks. 
Like, oh, really? This was just a time in cinema where they wanted, I think, more fun content. And so mm-hmm. they had E.T., which they liked, and Star Trek came out then, which they liked. And all of these, like, big, scary, dark movies like Blade Runner and The Thing totally flop. Um, and it, Interesting. And it's so funny because we have, like you said, we have so many toy things happening now. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just wild to think that something like that could fail commercially and critically at the time. Obviously, it's a huge hit now just because of timing. I... Um, think about do you know did you ever see the movie it's on netflix bird box i did not was that i've heard mixed things about it so it i think it's a weird it's a book um that it's a hard concept to translate to a screen because obviously they're monsters that you can't look at um is the whole concept but something that i think is really fascinating about that like related to this is it was supposed to come out years ago and was coming out at the same time that M. Night Shyamalan was doing The Happening, which is a kind of a similar concept. Mm. It's monster, like something makes you kill yourself, which is what is happening in Bird Box. And so they scrapped it and they made it years and years and years later for Netflix. But it came out like two months after A Quiet Place. And so everyone yeah. hated Bird Box. <laughs> like everyone was like, oh, Bird Box is just A Quiet Place, but not done as well. And I'm sure the people making it were like, we tried twice. We tried twice to make this movie. <laughs> and it just had Damn terrible it. timing. Like poor the thing to come out two weeks after E.T. and be like, but our monsters are scary. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody read the paper? Don't, they, don't you know these movies are out the same time as yours? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure E.T. hit and they were like, crap. <laughs> I, I guess <laughs> we'll go forward. Yeah. It, like what you were saying about how this was during a time where people want to go to the cinema for like fun movies. Mm-hmm. This was also very shortly after when people started to go back to the movies for fun movies, like you were saying, because um, a little bit before, like six years before this in 76 was when Jaws came out. Oh, dang. And and that was, or maybe it was 74. Anyways, mm-hmm. uh, that was like, you know, the big blockbuster boom that had a lot of people coming back to the theaters. And then shortly after that was Star Wars. Mm. And then when we're in this time in the 80s, we're still in like Star Wars just wrapped up and Indiana Jones is still going on as well. So there's all these other, in E.T., like you said, Spielberg is just ruining it it's for just, everyone else. It's just destroying that's, the that's game. Trying, <laughs> that's trying to do like a darker, less fun, well, they're still fun, but, you know, less family fun movies. Uh, so yeah, so I, I guess I could see like I could see your point about that definitely. Yeah, apparently it had um, like it was called an old article was exorcism level walkouts. Like people were getting sick in the theaters and they were leaving and they were so mad. <laughs> like Roger Ebert um, called it a barf bag <laughs> of a movie. Like he thought that the thing was just gross and nasty. Um, which is so, I mean, truthfully, I guess in the 80s, I wouldn't take my kids to see the thing. Um, but now we're like, wow, yeah. that's just really well done. Yeah, that's something I was telling Kat. I was like, hey, just so you know, we got to we gotta eat like breakfast before we watch this movie. <laughs> because I think there's like a lot of body horror in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, not wrong. <laughs> right. Uh, one scene that I really loved that was early on was when Mac and Doc went to go investigate the Norwegian base. Mm-hmm. I loved that because you just see all of this post carnage and it's very, of course, like foreshadowing of, you know, like this is if you let this get out of control, this is what's going to happen to y'all. It was just it was very eerie and creepy because you just because like you literally have no idea 
what the what kind of next horror the next turn in the hallway or in these rooms are going to is going to hold because you don't know what they're up against so it was that was one of my favorite parts of this movie mm-hmm. and it set up i feel like that did a good job of setting up like this is the level of body gore like the guy who had killed himself and he was frozen like mm-hmm. mid Ooh. so that you were just like oh this yeah. is messed up this is gonna be a messed up film that shows you some pretty weird stuff um, and then the, yeah, the suspense and the tension and the same level of like, oh, okay, they like, they found something in the ice and they brought it up. That's not, again, like that's not really a dumb decision to have made. Um, they didn't mm-hmm. go into a room of chainsaws filled with chainsaws. Right. They just went to a UFO filled with things. Yeah, filled, yeah, with, just... filled with things. <laughs> Those are good, man. Uh, any other scenes before we transition? Uh, no, no, I think we, I mean... This whole movie is great, but yeah, those were the ones that really mm-hmm. stuck out to me. Yeah, you got. I think you all nailed most of the the really, really the best ones. The whole movie was one giant scene for sure, but it was great. Okay, the ending. A lot of a lot of different theories. I'm. I know y'all are both wanting to run with it, so I'll get my thought in real fast, and then y'all can then y'all can duke it out. Take your time, uh, man. Take your time. <laughs> talk about it. So the ending is essentially that uh, Mac and Childs are the last ones standing. And Childs wanders off at some point whenever they're rigging up the explosives. The, the base explodes. Childs makes his way back and was like, oh, I got lost or whatever. And Mac is like, okay, cool, 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 cool. And they essentially make a point to say... We need to find, because uh, he was trying to, they were trying to, uh, the thing was trying to freeze itself because it, it was just going to essentially try again later. Freeze itself in the ice, come mm-hmm. back to life. It concludes with them sharing a drink and uh, Child says, should we, should we get a move on? And Max says, no, nah, let's just sit here for a little bit. And that's where it ends. <laughs> My opinion which I still hold the opinion, even though uh, this then my next information is gonna kind of rock the boat a little bit. I think mm. Mac is the thing. Like that just feels that feels just so like, why on earth would you just want to sit there for? I guess like it's been a long day, you want to rest. But Mac is such a go 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 person, and they already made the point to be like they're trying. He's the the thing is trying to freeze itself, and Mac says no. Let's just. I'll just stay here for a little bit. Let the fire subside a little bit. Let us get cold for a little bit. And I'm going to take you out. Um, the, the, the thing that kind of debunks that, which I'm still holding on to it. I still think that's what it, what it is. Because uh, John Carpenter wanted it, really liked this ending and wanted it to kind of be this weird, like, obscure ending. Like, what happened? We don't really know. They did make an hmm. alternate ending in hopes. Really? Yeah. And just in, just in case that... Maybe people didn't respond as well as they hoped to the ending, where Mac wakes up in the hospital, and his they test his blood and he tests negative, so he's not the monster. So he makes it back home, and he's not the monster. And it's just like it's a happy ending. This it was the era, the ET era of happy endings. The monster is a good guy. The monster goes back home. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the safe ending. John Carpenter didn't want to use it, went with the original one, which is to say, who the heck knows what happens. I think Mac is the thing, because especially because throughout the whole movie... I'm going to argue it. 
I'm going to argue this with you, man. Please. <laughs> like, please do. I think he's the thing. He's nope. the only person that keeps coming up with ideas. Like, he, even when he is the suspect, he comes back in and he's got the dynamite in his hand and he's got the match and he's like, come any closer, I blow this place to smithereens. And everybody's like, okay, cool, 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 cool. And Max, like, all right, here's how we're going to figure out who the monster is. And they're like, okay, Mac, who we definitely think is the monster, we'll listen to what you're saying. And he comes up with all the ideas. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that was a survival instinct that he was trying to kill another monster to save himself, or he wasn't the monster at that point, and he becomes the monster after everything blows up, and the monster gets him real quick. I don't know, but I think he's, in the end, Mac is the monster, and he takes he uh, scoops up Childs. So, I don't think it's Mac. Um, I think that, and to be honest, I don't know what the correct answer is, but I just know it's not Mac. Because I, I think, think we're left is thinking, is it... Well, I think that like the question that we're left with is whether it's Childs or not. Not whether it's Mac or not, or either of them. Because, well, I guess either way, so this movie, I think that John Carpenter chose the correct ending mm-hmm. based off the two that you just told me, Levi. And that... Because this whole movie is about being paranoid and the fear that you get from that. And this movie ends right at square one with you don't know what's going yeah. on. So this movie has the audience leaving the theaters going, at, just asking questions, going, wait, who can you trust? It still leaves you with that. It doesn't give you that satisfying ending, which that was, which is what it was supposed right. to do. Yes. And there is this, I, I was kind of just doing a little bit of research, and there's this really... Uh, good article on the Huffington Post that talks about the the I guess well-known fan theory about this ending and that is that the the fan theory is that Childs is the thing that he is contaminated and how some certain fans deduce this is that Mac gave him a test right there at the end and that uh, so we see he made a bunch of Molotov cocktails but he gives him a bottle of scotch to drink but he's used up all the bottles with gasoline to make these Molotov cocktails. So there's gasoline in there, not scotch. And he, the alien won't know the difference, but child oh will. Gosh. And he drinks it like normal. So he thinks that's an alien or that's the thing. And the reason why he laughs to himself at the end is because he just goes, man, all this was for nothing. Yeah. And I just lost. So you just kind of like, so he's kind of like laughing ironically at his situation. Dang, that's intense. And also, as soon as Childs tips the bottle, that's when the ominous mm. music starts playing. As soon as he tips the bottle. So, but with interviews with Kurt Russell, he he just he didn't say yes or no to this. He just goes, "You're missing the point. This movie is about you don't know what's going on. You you just like the characters have no idea what's going on. Yeah. That's the point. So." Dang. Yeah. What, what about um, you, Rachel? I'm obsessed. I did not know that fan theory, and I think it's amazing. Um, <laughs> Isn't it? It's That's amazing. So it's so no, good. I, I think this is a flawless ending. They actually made two alternate endings. The one Levi talked about and a different alternate ending where you see the thing um, imitate a dog and escape. And so it was supposed to be a very concrete, dark ending. Um, and I, st- I was kind of hoping for something mm-hmm. like that, but I'm happy with what yeah, we got. Yeah, because I think what you said is exactly right. In a movie entirely surrounded by paranoia and you don't understand like something i loved about this movie is when people would be infected you didn't know how that happened or when that happened and you were like you Mm -hmm. really can't even trace it back 
like he I remember we were talking about someone and Levi was like I don't know maybe it was the blood splatter that he um, when he was like doing the test maybe that is what got to mm. this guy um, but I I um, not to take the cheating route kind of think both of you are right I think McCready <laughs> because that sounds amazing I also think McCready is infected um, when they're doing the blood test scene he doesn't cut his thumb he just gets this blood like you don't see him do it so where did oh, really? he get this blood from i could be wrong but i don't remember then that was a very visceral scene but i don't remember mccready cutting himself um i don't oh, short-term memory oh, no, no. Yeah. you're gonna have to watch you're gonna like cut this and go watch it and come back um but i don't think he cuts himself i could be wrong please email in if i am and the second thing is they never really explain why his ripped up clothes were in the woods. Yeah. Like, they, right? I know they're like, oh, he, I was framed. But like, what? That is very specific framing. Yeah. And you've got a lot going on right now. And I don't really feel like the thing needs to frame other people. That doesn't feel like it's M.O. It's doing a really great job of imitating and killing everyone. Yeah, and and, and I mean you're not yeah. going to put that that's that's so human to do to set someone up by putting clothes out. This thing doesn't work isn't worry about blaming other people. The whole idea is I'm going to be a human and blend in with the humans and I'll survive. It's a survival instinct. That's not like I'm not like trying to get away with murder. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to frame somebody else. There is no framing. I'm just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. So maybe the laugh that McCready has is that they're both the thing, and that's when he realizes it. Like, he gives him the gasoline, and the other guy drinks it, and he's like, we're going to take over this planet. Wow, that's so good. (laughs) I like that. Oh, it's good. This ending is amazing. I love it. It's like, it's it's like one of those there's the only other like cliffhanger like ending that like comes to mind in another movie is like inception but i think that this is a better cliffhanger ending than inception this is i agree i agree good good movie choice this was awesome this was great amazing taste oh so good such a good movie yes the ending the ambiguousness of it all is just so wonderful before we conclude all of this the question must be asked the most consistent question that must be asked in this podcast does this movie by itself, regardless of if it has sequels or not, does this movie deserve a sequel? Brooker, what do you think? No, absolutely not. Mm. No, this was awesome. This was good. I am cool with reboots. I know that this movie was rebooted like uh, a few years ago, maybe 2011. Mm-hmm. I might be off, but and just I, I quickly glanced over the score on that IMDb, and the score was much lower than this yeah. one. Uh, so I don't know if it's good or not, but. Uh, I'll be cool to see other reboots of this because they could definitely, you know, just kind of just do this whole paranoia thing a little bit differently or just I, I could just see them doing it again and it not being super boring or, or repetitive to see again because you'll still be left guessing who's who's infected throughout the whole mm-hmm. thing. But so I'm saying no to a sequel. Yeah. I um, also knew about the, the 2011. So it's actually a prequel. It's supposed to be the Norwegians is what the movie is. Um, oh, 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 okay. I might have yes. to see that now. <laughs> Which apparently, like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is, like, how can you not mess this up? And apparently they just did a terrible job, which I find so frustrating in these, like, amazing classic horror movie reboots. The same thing happened. Don't ever waste your time on the reboot they did of Nightmare on Elm Street. It's garbage. Like, the original is so good. And I think it's because these movies that rely, like, they don't have CGI, so they can't do jump scares. Um, forget 
to actually create tension or make interesting character choices. Um, so I, um, you can watch the 2011. Please come back if you do and tell me if it's any good and I will watch it. Um, I've seen the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Um, and I haven't seen the original one, though, mm-hmm. but I do need to go watch it. But I remember I, I like just going into the Nightmare on Elm Street remake completely blind i was pretty entertained but again i had nothing to compare it to so i do need to go back and watch the original so rachel does do you think then that this movie does deserve a sequel or no i think the only way you could have this movie do a sequel is it would have to be like a spiritual sequel like the cloverfield movies have um if you did something Hmm. that was like even um like a quiet place if you just were like 74 days into infection and it just mm-hmm. like cold opens on oh. some other some other place, a bunch of isolated people. Maybe it's a bunch of people and they've like taken shelter in a school or an office building, like somewhere else that has a lot of corners and is really yeah. scary. Because yeah. um, I think that's really the only way that I would find it really interesting because skip all the parts where it, you explained to me that it like got out or that it got somewhere else. Like I don't need day one through day 72. Just like hit me with day 74 of the infection and these monsters that imitate other people. And so you like, mm-hmm. who's safe? Can we take in other stragglers? How do you, do? Uh, uh. And like, maybe we just get some sort of like reference to the Antarctica mm-hmm. research center that they propose as may have started. That's a good idea. I like that a lot. I think it would be really cool to indifferent to instead of like a it happening in society, it's happening in maybe a untouched like uh, village mm. somewhere. And it's just you're just like reading all subtitles through this. And it's them through these um, like archaic methods of hunting it down. And you're seeing how maybe the, through their own how their society Mm -hmm. works how they're kind of deducing what's odd behavior or not that'll be kind of interesting yeah my my answer was yes i think this absolutely deserves a sequel (laughs) i think and and this is this is i think what happens when you're married for so long uh my caveat was it either has to be a sequel with the norwegians Or it has to be, I kid you not, this is verbatim what I, I have. It has to be a, a Cloverfield movie. That's uh, hilarious. That's so funny where it, I would want it to be. The, <laughs> my ideal sequel that I envision is the beginning. We don't, like like you said, Brooker, you can reference like grounds, like their idea of ground zero somewhere in Antarctica or whatever. Uh, but it, the movie starts where we are with the Norwegians, not with Kurt Russell, but with the Norwegians. You have all of these people speaking Norwegian with subtitles, just trying to take out these monsters. And maybe the scene is all of like, is like, it's just the opening scene, five to 10 minutes, maybe. And the rest of the movie is at some point during the period of when the thing takes over the whole planet of a very Cloverfield-esque movie where it's people trying to survive, trying to run. But in the end, uh, it could be a shaky cam if you wanted it to be. I'm cool with it, but you would. It, the thing ends up taking mm. over, and the movie concludes with some sort of ability for us to know. And maybe it's just that all of humanity is just living normally, but instead of it being humans, they're all the thing. Oh, and that's so, so good. The thing oh, becomes the thing assimil- assimilates humanity, 
but to blend in with what humanity has decided humanity is supposed to be, it continues to be humanity unless threatened. So maybe in war, war looks a little bit different because they're trying, they're dying and they're trying to stay alive. And so they start assimilating each other in battle. But the day to day is literally just normal humanity, but they're all not humans anymore. Obsessed. Interesting. So yes, that should have a sequel. Amazing. What a concept. I like that a lot. I do too. Get on it. Uh, John Carpenter, make that happen. Uh, yeah, stop making <laughs> Halloween movies and get on this ASAP. <laughs> that 2018 Halloween reboot sequel was really good. I don't know if you saw it. But we it did. Really it was I, a double feature. I thought it was really, really good too. We Well, the movie isn't a double feature. Mm-hmm. We saw it at a drive-in and the drive-in was a double mm-hmm. feature where we saw the original Halloween first. And then immediately after saw the remake, or, or rather the reboot, mm-hmm. um, and it was it was it was good to watch them back to back. It was the first time I, we got to see both of them, which was really cool. Any final thoughts before we start to to close close it down? This movie's awesome. Great uh, request yes. by Grace. Thank you again. This was a lot of fun. I just got to say. Two, two last things that I loved about this movie was that the opening credits and ending credits were just title cards on a black screen. This movie is very much, hey, we got a fucking movie to say. Yep. We don't have time for this. Everybody sh- sit down yep. and shut up. And <laughs> that's something that I just loved about this movie. It was just those two things were, were awesome. I think if I had a final thought on this movie, it's that one, everyone should watch it. And two... We, as a society of people who make horror movies, should remember that this is the heart of a horror movie. Like, I'm not going to be one of those people that's mm. like, oh, in 2020, our horror movies are bad because they were ruined by CGI. Because I, I think A Quiet Place is probably one of the greatest movies, comma, horror movies I've ever seen of all time. Um, but that is the heart of it. Like, horror movies are about tension and fear and building that uncomfortable feeling inside of you and if it takes people watching the thing to remember that everyone should everyone should better than i thought it was going to be as someone who is hates a jump scare and loves a good thriller i really 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 enjoyed the thing grace you're amazing thanks for the suggestion and also thank you for being a loyal listener it's people like you that make this uh so much fun for for brooker and i and for kat and rachel to come on and uh, do this all together uh if you if this is your first time listening uh unlike grace who's <laughs> been with us for a while uh thank you for for giving us a listen think about sharing us with friends family co-workers uh huskies that may be aliens we would we love to get more and more people listening to our content uh You can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, really anywhere you can get podcasts. Uh, Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or give us a shout uh, via email at fotrpodcast at gmail.com. We're going to continue on through the month of April with doing our suggestions. Our next suggestion is Smart House, the Disney Channel original movie. Uh, It's going to be a good one. Got a lot of Disney Channel original (laughs) movies this month. And we are so excited to dive in. Give us a listen next week, y'all. Y'all are amazing. And if you see any weird, super friendly huskies running up to you, maybe be a little suspicious. If you liked me, I am also (laughs) 
on <laughs> plugging Rachel. If you liked me, I'm also on the proposal episode with Brooker's longtime human cat. We, I think, are hysterical, and there will eventually be a spinoff show of Cat and Rachel. Yes, and it's not, when she says human cat, it's yes. not a human cat. It's a human named cat. It's human. Cat with a K. Cat with a K. Yes. Oh my gosh, guys. Thanks for listening and keep an eye out for flamethrowers. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> See you. Bye, guys.